to the Foolproof Truth Bourbon Podcast. I am your host, Jeff, and across from me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. Mike, good morning. How's it going? All right. And yes, I said good morning. Yep. <laughs> we're, we're drinking in the morning. Saturday morning. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, guys, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we've got a nice episode for you. We're going to try some everyday on-the-shelf available bourbon. We're looking at an old granddad 114. Wait, wait, wait. Don't tell them everything. I'm not. <laughs> and, and, and we're going to try some Noah's Mill. Both of these should be available on your local party store shelf. Um, I don't ever recall seeing those mill in like a Meyer or a Kroger. Um, so which are which are Michigan based uh, grocery stores? Absolutely, right? they are. And but then, Noah, uh, Noah's Mill's out there. I've seen this quite a bit. Yeah, it's out there. It's on. It should be in your local party stores. They're out there. You know, I, I think we're looking at about twenty eight to thirty dollars for the old granddad and. Probably about forty to fifty-five on the Noah's Mill. Um, so we're going to give you a little bit of a review on both of those today, and then we'll move into our topic. But uh, first, Mike, what are you sipping? Which one of those you got? Uh, I'm not scared of either one of them, but I can start with some Noah's Mill. That's what Noah's I've got milks. too. So this this batch is uh, aged in wooden barrels, fully matured, roughly about 114 proof. And uh, so we're sitting right next. That's why we did the Granddad 114 next to it. Uh, this is a, a fellow that comes out of Willett, out of Bardstown, Kentucky. Um, it is one of their more entry levels. Uh, a lot of folks make a big deal about it, but I'm going to pick this up for the first time. I've never had it before. And let's see what, what I can get out of this. Hmm. You smell anything really good off that? Anything creamy, smooth, soft? I don't. I don't pick up ethanol, right? I don't pick I, up ethanol. I've, I got the ethanol, and it also it tastes like dirty water to me. If that makes any sense. <laughs> just, you know how you get yeah. like dust in your glass and you drink it. You just got that dusty, dirty flavor. I, I got a lot of burn on my tongue. It's ethanol-y. It tastes like dirty water. I, I no. For me, for me, this is. <laughs> Wow. Right out the rip. Let me let me let me take it a little bit different because the first thing I taste is a sweet, which I like. And then uh you got the alcohol ran across your gums. It ran across it, it ran across and stopped like it was waiting for the bus. You are so I'm looking at a little bit of a complex flavor here. This is more complex than I expected. Hold on. It's uh hmm. No, I don't I don't this is yeah. Ooh, see, I like this. You like that? You get a lot of flavors on it. It's everywhere, but it's really good. Really? I'm shocked that you actually like this. I thought for sure when I pulled this off the shelf today that this would be one that you'd put up in the Weller no. SR category. <laughs> and, <laughs> we'll get to that later, too. We've got ourselves a... I do want to talk about this sometime down the road. It would be on our, our list. I, I do believe every single one of the bourbon drinkers, whether you're new... Well, you've been doing this for quite a bit. And you can tell me if you've been doing this quite a bit, who else ranks their bourbons? Who else will sit down there with the logbook? Like now to my left, I've got a logbook. I log every single one and I try and categorize it. Now, of course, if you guys haven't figured it out, I'm an engineer. I can't help it the way I'm wired. I can't help it the way I think. Everything is empirical. But you get to sit there and try to put a number to 
whatever these uh, different types of liquors that we put in our bodies. And that's really difficult to do, don't you think? I do. I do definitely think so. Why don't you like this? I, it, the complexity to me doesn't sit well. I, I just, it could be a little bit better. There's just too much ethanol and, and heat on it for me. It doesn't sit right with me. Mm. Um, I, matter of fact, as it, I've drank it and it's given me the, the uh, esophagus burn. You know, oh, maybe, no. maybe I need a Tums after this one. This. Uh-oh. No. I'm, now what I'm catching uh, is. I'm going to pass on this one. Um, It tastes like it doesn't know who it wants to be yet. It Good does call. taste young. It does taste young. But you've got a nice, very, what, what wins this for me, what I like about this is the secondary palate. Okay. The first palate comes up sweet. The second one drops into the oak. But then it also has a little bit, a couple different nuances in it that I just really like. Jeff, I don't think this burns a lot. Um, you don't get the burn on it. I, 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 I get really a little don't. bit of it. I'm not saying it's it's Coy Hill hot or, or Booker's hot, but it's definitely got a little bit of heat down the down the esophagus there, and, and definitely on the gums and the mouth, uh, tongue for me. It's definitely got the Willet taste to it. That's oh, that's a great, like. great. That's what you don't like about great it. Great call. It's got that pot swill that you don't like. Yeah. That's so so we everyone knows about call. the pretty bottle, right? You got the pretty little tall glass bottle. They call it uh, the Willet pot still. Of course, I call it pot swill because it, the, the sour mash just they 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 put they put too much sour in the mash. And, and folks, I'm sorry, I don't know how old this is. Uh, when I did some research on it, it said it could be up to like maybe 15 years mm. age statement. I I'm truly catching don't that. believe that. I'm catching it. Really, the sweetness and the the middle the the very what at the very end is that sour willet pot swill that you're catching. And uh, I think that's where I can lay back and say this, Noah Mill, Country Mile, if you're sitting at a store and you just happen to have that Willet pot still with that pretty bottle and you have Noah's Mill next to you and you're determined to pick up something from Willet, grab the Noah's Mill. I think you're going to like it a lot better. I think it's a bit more refined. And I think that um, that'll be your better choice. Leave that $75 or $80 pot still to the right take your nose mill for 45 oh, no. to 50 bucks pot, pot still is probably 50 bucks if you pay over 50 bucks for it you have gotten raped um i believe they they run it you can go as much as 100 bucks now oh there's no way in saying. hell would i spend 100 oh, bucks no. on a genie bottle <laughs> <laughs> and you just got a taste gentlemen of why you're coming back to this podcast the reason you're coming back is because you've got two folks that are diverse Jeff and I look at each other every day. We are cousins. We, unfortunately. We are brothers, unfortunately. <laughs> We're family, unfortunately. But we look at each other with uh, with love and respect. We're really two completely different people. And what you're going to hear on this is two different opinions. At the end of the day, though, we do come to a general consensus. And I would say right now, if I put Pottswill, um, Willet with Noah's Mill, who are you picking up? We're going to uh, take home. I would take the Noah's Mill over the pot still any day. And save yourself 40 bucks. Yeah. I I just think that there's better bourbon out there for the price range. Not that this is horrible. <clears throat> I just, it wouldn't be my very first choice if I'm at the store. I'll take that off your hands. No, you won't. <laughs> 
That's going to go right back on the shelf and collect dust so that when you come over, uh -oh, uh -oh. it's here for your sip. You know, you don't like it. Uh, I'll trade you. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. All right, so we're, we're going to move into an old granddad 114, and I have heard a lot of good stuff about this bottle. 114 proof. Um, just a tad bit of history. I don't know if you know who old granddad is, but he's Basil Hayden. Stop. He is Basil Hayden. Uh, he made this, uh, it's a higher percentage of rye in this bottle. And- uh, Well, you're saying Basil Hayden with its bean product. Yes. History all yes. the way back now. Yes, this is Sir Basil Hayden right there. You guys, you guys are gonna learn from me if, if you're at a, a store, and I hate to say it, there's just what they have up at the, the registers for you guys. Uh, the Basil Hayden, I just think, is is a watered down version of what could have been. That's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna. Because Basil Hayden has some nice items. I'll be honest with you. I've never ever had a Basil Hayden product in my life. Actual Basil Hayden. I have never for and, me. And all I wish, because because it's uh, it's it's dumbed down. They water the hell of it down, down to eighty proof, eighty five proof, ninety proof. I wish they did a full proof. And There's I so think, many variations of it too. You've well, got the dark rye, the the toasted, and it's the, all watered the down red for mass wine. production. So that's fine. Okay. They're good for them. Good start. But let's go into the 114th range. Let's see what they can do since since they've answered my prayers. All well, right. first off, on the nose on this 114, I'm not picking up too much. I do get a little buttery smell on it. I do I get a little ethanol, which is probably due to the proof. But it's definitely brown sugar and buttery, and it for the proof, this is smooth as silk. Hmm. Best thirty-dollar bottle, in my opinion. Oh, he goes there again. Hmm. But hey, according to the blinds, if I were to blind this, because they're both one fourteen proof, and, I, and I'm gonna lay it up. Hold on. And I do love a higher proof bourbon. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? So this is younger. This is in the four to five year range. This is definitely younger than the Noah Mill. Yeah. Do you All like right, it so, better? Um, it has an initial sweetness up front that I really, really like. Yeah. What is it like brown sugar to you? It reminds me of the wild turkey rare breed. It's very similar, which I like a lot. Okay. Um, it has heat and kick in the back though. More heat and kick in the back than the Noah Mill did. Oh, and I see, I am not getting a heat and a kick in the back. It it just goes down like butter for me. It's so silky smooth. It's got such a great, easy taste. I love that. I can't believe this is only 25 bucks. Yeah, you, 25 bucks. Can you believe it? It's fantastic. For it that really price. starts. It, this right here, uh, you could put against several foolproof and barrel proofs. I'll give you this. All right, everyone out there, if you're going to do your blinds, and you know we're big into blinds, and I stand by it, go get yourself a Stag Junior, a Weller Foolproof, a Wild Turkey, Rare Breed. And the Old Granddad. And an Old Granddad. Go get yourself a 20, a 40, a 150, and a 300, whatever you think you're paying for. Go put those in a blind together. I want to hear from you what happened. Okay. Definitely something you can respond to us on our Facebook page. Just reference the episode here, uh, and we'll definitely try our best to get back with you on that. For sure, for sure. So, boom. 
You lay those four and blind those and go surprise yourself, guys. Oh, for sure. On that note. We're going to move into our topic related to bourbon now. And I think that is going to be the tasting notes. Are they extreme? Are they right on? Do you listen to them? And we're referring to like your certain YouTubers uh, sticking their nose way deep into the glass. Uh, we're we're going to be talking about uh, these these notes. Are they are they are you pulling bananas Foster? Are you pulling vine ripened tomatoes? You know, or, or or are you just smelling <laughs> ethanol and brown sugar and caramel? Your basic notes. Because I'll be honest with you, there are certain bottles that I can pull grapes, I can pull cherries and strawberries out. And there are certain bottles that I've seen reviews on that I'm just going to call bullshit. Let them. Well, we're going we're gonna to take a little round. Actually, down the road, we're going to tease you guys. We do have a sommelier coming in. Uh, he is Michigan renowned. He's one of the best. Uh, we will have that in an upcoming episode. And we're going to talk about some of those to, to tease you guys and to let you know, yes, we know bourbon. You know, Jeff and I know bourbon. Uh, we know an awful lot about it. Our wallet knows a lot about it, <laughs> and uh, you're going to hear that. What you're going to find out eventually is Mike can't see, Mike can't smell, and and Mike doesn't have a great palate. But what I do know is what tastes good. And right? I'm a, I'm a basic bare bones. I'm a regular guy like you, who doesn't really get too deep into the nuances. That all I know is at the end of the day, when I pick it up and I smell it and then I drink it, do I like it? Okay. And a lot of times I'll get phone calls from coworkers, from friends and family, um, and most recently, people I don't even know will come up to me because they've heard from other people that, hey, that guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to bourbon, and they'll ask me for recommendations on certain bottles. They'll ask me for, um, is this a good price for this certain bottle? They'll ask me about my smells and my tastes. Am I, am I getting all this stuff? And, and I'll be honest with you, I'll just tell them the truth. You know, don't waste your money on that. Or, hey, that's a good price, but I can get it for this price here if you really want me to pick it up for but you. You got a better nose than I do, and you yeah. have a better. You're, you're, I'm not saying your palate's better. It's no, definitely different. No, I think they're different for sure. Your nose is way better than mine. I can't. You know what? If you put a dog bone in front of me, I can't find it. All right, <laughs> I, I just don't have a bloodhound nose to me. I don't. Yeah. God, so, hey, hey, God I, I don't want to. I don't want a lack of vision, but boy, he certainly did give me the smell. Wait, and, and by the way, hey, folks. Out there, um, I am still sipping on my old granddad. Yes, am I? I. It doesn't hurt my feelings a bit. Mike, let me ask you. You watch the shows, you read the uh, websites. This is picking up all these flavors. I'm on the nose. We're getting cherry cola. We're getting coffee. We're getting caramel. We're getting Sherwin Williams paint. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and on the on the palate, we're getting green beans, we're getting apricots, allspice. I mean, some of the stuff oh, that hit they the pepper and pepper. Some of the oh, which, oh, which hit, is true, but some of the stuff hit the they, anise. I'm getting a little anise here. Yeah, some of the stuff they put on these tasty notes, it just blows my freaking mind. Bullshit. Be yeah, exactly. Just bullshit, a bunch bullshit. of bullshit, Grandpa. Be because I I'm honestly gonna tell you, folks, if you are picking up every one of those nuances you are kidding yourself if you can pick up all those nuances 
you don't need to be sitting in the backyard drinking bourbon with your buddies. You need to be over at the distillery as a master distiller, as oh. a taster. You need to put some money on that. You need to be making some money. If your nose is that good? Absolutely. If, if you can pick got, all that stuff up, bro, you need to be in the business. There were monarch butterflies on top of this barley. I can taste the monarch <laughs> barley shit that they shit out of barley. That, that's a northern bumblebee who pollinated this flower that I can taste in this four roses. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's a bunch of bullshit. You're getting caramel, brown sugar, charred oak, some vanilla, folks, some cherry cold. And I'll, again, I'm like I told you before. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> and, and like I told you, and before the commercial break, um, you know, I lost my train of thought here for the most part, but no, you didn't, if, if you're, you're a regular guy like me laughing at these yeah, fuckers, if you're picking all that up, <laughs> dude, come on. Don't, don't tell me you're picking all that up. Cause you're you not. know what? Call call in and, and blow our, blow our Facebook page up. Tell me all about, tell me how you got Foster's banana. I want to hear about it. I, I do. I want to hear about it. And by the way, we've had a couple drinks now, so we've loosened up. Um, that's what happens when you're sitting around a fire. That's when you're happen after work and you've had a cocktail or two. That's right. We're hoping that you're tuning into us right about now. It's doing exactly that. It's you're 12 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> it's lunchtime, right? Yeah, that's right. No, we, um, we love that you guys have joined us. I can't believe you've joined us. That's Jesus right. Christ. But hey. I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with a couple things today. We want to talk eventually. We're going to do, um, a man talk that's going to catch your attention. So don't go away. Um, right. I, I'm pretty sure that we've all come to a concurrence that there are very experienced bourbon drinkers out there yep. and they are picking up a lot of the nuances. I am saying good for you. And if that's what it takes, hey, Jeff, if that's what it takes for them to justify that they bought the $600 yeah. bottle, then, 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 they, hey, if that's what it took. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, yeah. when I blind taste test, your six hundred dollar bottle. That's right. And four out of five people sitting at the table pick the thirty dollar bottle. I can't help you. Doesn't matter if it smells. Doesn't matter <laughs> if it smells that great. Hey, right? so you know, on top of that, there are certain bottles, and I'm going to pick on E. H. Taylor single barrel. That bottle, I can guarantee you, I can pull out every single listed flavor and smell. That's listed on that bottle, say that's on a, certain websites. That's a rare. That's a rare bottle. That's a that. Good that's bottle. a very hard, good bottle, and it it does not disappoint. I can pull the grapes and the cherries and the brown sugar, and all the other flavors and smells that they say is in that bottle. I can pull it out, but then there's certain bottles that they say that hey, you know, it's got the smell and that taste. I'm just gonna call it bullshit because it doesn't. It doesn't. You get a lot of ethanol in and. You know, like Mike said, hey, God bless you if you can pull them all out. Maybe you should look into picking up a job. You know what? I'm going to blind taste test someone who does that. Oh, that'd be a great up. idea. We could do that right here. I'm going to blind them with a 114 granddad or I'm going to give them a, uh, a wild turkey 101. Don't tell them what it is and let him wax and wane. And I'm, what we'll do is we'll put four. That's your we'll, new favorite words, aren't it? Wax gonna, and wane. Oh, let them go. <laughs> we're going to put, no, let's put uh, like a couple three four hundred dollar bottles on the table yep make them think what he's drinking let him go off let him oh. go to town and they'd be like man you pull all that out of wild turkey 101 <laughs> yeah just pull the wild turkey out like boom there it is oh that's a wild turkey 101 i thought it was a stag junior which don't waste your money on oh man that's so awesome <laughs> 
<laughs> That's okay. I'm gonna say the same thing about Eagle Rare. Ooh, you dare waste your money on that. Don't you dare talk bad about Eagle Rare. <laughs> so I see, folks. This again is what's gonna make this show great because we have two very different, different opinions on certain bottles, and we'll 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 argue to the death on these bottles. I, you know what? I, I actually I had a fire in the backyard. I need a little kick to start, and I, I think I used some Eagle Rare to start that. The way. proof wasn't that high. <laughs> You should have poured some of that pot still to put it out. No, I think it was stray hands. The, the stray hands is what I used to, to kick oh it Oh, my God. <laughs> Folks, we're going to do a, a strand of hands <laughs> review one day. We should. And I'm going to tell you what. We're we going to probably blind that with some dirty toilet water. And I'm going to guarantee Stop you the dirty it. toilet water is going to come out ahead. You're funny. <laughs> uh, just recapping quickly. Mike, you feel that the Noah's Mill is a buy? Yes. All right. Wait, before you go, and uh, I feel it is not a buy. Oh How do you feel about the old granddad? Oh, it's a buy. It's definitely a buy. For sure, for sure, for sure. So, um, in wrapping up, uh, those of you who are the local sommeliers, you guys can smell all this great stuff. Tell me all about it. I want to hear from you. Those of you who are, who are just regular fellas and just like the drink and you could put the glass down and say oh that was pretty good now if you every time someone gets you an incrementally more expensive bottle and you tell them it's even better and it's great and you just you just define that you're a new fella i just want to i want to tell you something you'll get over it i promise you'll get you'll get over it eventually you'll settle in there is that phase where every bottle you taste is just the greatest thing ever. Yeah, we're going to get into that Remember in another that? episode where we talk about cost of bottles and and but the you, hype wait, related wait, but to you it. But you remember too. that. You remember absolutely. You every remember bottle, that phase you were in where, where I'd, you'd pick up a bottle and every it, the new shiny label was a new favorite. Yeah, I went through that. I remember when you and I went to um, a local uh, watering hole and we sat down together recently. And we put two very, very high-end bottles with a Thomas Handy and a George T. Stagg. They they put that on the bar for us, and we poured them. And when I told you I didn't think the George T. Stagg was good, I think I broke your heart. I don't think you did. I don't care. Oh, I think you were very upset at me at that. No, you I told me I was projecting. full of shit. You're projecting. No, because, come on. Because the Thomas Handy, you said, was the best bourbon you've no, ever tasted. No, I said that was the best rye I've ever tasted. In your life. The best rye. Thomas and, Handy is a rye. Now, I'll put the Thomas Handy up in the elite category. I'll put it in the 90 plus. Yeah. I will. But the 23 George T. Stag, quite frankly, and I'm just, everyone, just, there's the silence possibly the best bourbon on the market in the world right now the 2023 gts yep it is fucking phenomenal all right now we're going to move into a special segment called man time here and our main topic today is going to be dealing with stress how do you deal with stress as a man do you punch holes in the wall do you get jump on the video games do you go for a jog so we're going to dive into that a little bit and uh go ahead mike how do you deal with stress today you're you're a fifty three year old man. Uh, well, let's let's put us in the range of he's in his fifties. <laughs> okay, he's in his fifties, and how does a fifty year old gentleman well, deal no with stress? Actually, today? we don't know 
about our backgrounds. No, they, they don't. Let, and we'll, and we'll, we'll catch that, that one up a little bit. But yeah. um, let's just say he is a guy that has two kids, a wife for more than 20 years, one wife, one house. And uh, I've had a job in one industry. And that industry is a high fluctuating. There are times of goodness and there's really times of high stress. There are times when you are thinking every day, am I going to lose my job? There are times when we've had crashes Yeah. when the whole world came to an end. Uh, I'm going to tell you the really, the only source, the true source of my stress at my age is where are you going to lose your job? Was the industry going to take you out? Okay. okay. So what I've learned is <clears throat> one of the ways to combat that stress is you know that every single day when you come in, if you don't want to lose your job, um, my philosophy is you better get your ass into the race. So non-union. So some of us in, in our groups are union and we're pro-union. I'm not in a union. I'm salaried, but I am pro-union. I'm very pro-union. I believe that the middle class of America was built on it. And I also believe that you have to fight for your individual wages. You don't need to fight for a rich guy because you think that'll trickle down to you. That ain't going to happen. The only way that you're going to get yourself settled in a steady, little bit stress-free environment is a word called stability. What are some of the trigger points you deal with um, in your industry that could set you off on, you know, some major stress? Oh, I mean, that's like, you're asking me what everyone who's uh, tuned into us, and by the way, thank you for tuning in. Um, you're asking me the same thing that all of us have to do with is the workday. It's called the word change. Mm -hmm. The word change means stress. It is you're asking to do something different than what was done yesterday um, humans typically like repetitiveness. You like a nature where you can count on something, something stable. The entire world, U.S., uh, or excuse me, the entire world economy <clears throat> gravitates towards the United States. Why? Stability. It is the most stable currency in America, even though it's not founded on gold. It is still the most stable. So, when you lose and break away and make yourself uncomfortable, when things become uncomfortable, and a lot of people that create stress. So Mike's just had a really bad day at work. His boss is on his ass because he's late on a project. Or how, how does Mike decompress? How does he not take that stress home to the wife and kids? I know what you want me to say. I know where you, <clears throat> I know where you want me to go. I mean, because because a lot of a lot of guys will go home after having a rough day at work, and they'll grab that bottle. And which folks, I do want to tell you, please drink responsibly. Don't get in the car and act like a fool. But tell me what you think is typical of a guy that comes home after. A so day so work. a lot of guys they, they have a really shitty day at work, and they'll go home and they'll some of them will grab that bottle and just get hammered in it. My father, for one, was a drinker. Tell me about it. And we'll definitely get into that in no, another episode, no. for sure. Stay with me for a minute. But Stay with me. What did you see? I, I saw anger. 
And there's a lot that goes into that. And I don't want to dig too deep into that in this episode because there's some underlying things that go along with that. And that a lot of that has to do with military background. But a lot of guys will grab that bottle and they'll drink themselves into oblivion. And then they'll start getting pissed off because their life sucks or they're having a lot of stress and they'll start beating on the wife or they'll start punching holes in the wall. And that's and one you've thing. seen this. I've seen that firsthand so many times. I've How seen old that. were you? I was nine, 10, 11 years old. I, I, like, I, I don't want to get into it in this episode because uh, it's not the right episode for this, but I've seen some things as a kid that would just blow your damn mind. But. How you deal with it. The younger generation deals with it in a different way than the older I, generation I just want to know. does. I feel you. I just want you to know. I appreciate that. I feel you. You know, a guy at your age and my age, we deal with it in a different level because we've adapted and we kind of matured. Well, what do you do? To, what do you do to decompress? Because you, you come from, to be honest, so if you come from a more of a, a structured union environment, you mm-hmm. come from a, a hard, you're, you're blue collar. 100%. Okay? All day long. 100%. Twice on Sunday, if you'll let you. That's right. right. You're a blue collar. Um, there's got to be times you probably, like when you asked me, the boss, the late, and all that sort of stuff, the way that I deal with it, <clears throat> I work weekends preparing myself for the following week, so I'm never late. Okay. I don't like being late. And really? I, and I, when it comes <laughs> with my projects... I am not, no, <laughs> you want to talk about, hey, I know where my priority is. I know, yeah, who butters I, know I, my, I know who butters my fucking bread. Yeah, for sure. Okay? You don't butter my bread. The neighbors, when I'm late and a half hour to their little get together, <laughs> sure. they don't butter my bread. Gotcha. Okay? So this is strictly what, work related. Oh no. But when you, when, when I come into work and I have a presentation and I know I'm presenting to upper management. Okay. I am prepped. I'm repped and I'm ready to go. I'm concise. I'll tell you what the problem is, what we did, and what the next step is. And then I'm going to drop it in topper management. I think this is the next step. What do you think? Okay. And either they agree with me or they say, let's get so-and-so involved. They'll give you, they'll give you, because they got to get paid too. They're going to give you an alternative view that you'll say, that's a good idea. But how do you deal with it when they come back and they say, you know what? Your idea sucks or... Never does. Oh, I'm just I'm, I'm making a point here. I, I, how, no, how do you I'm deal there. with it? I'm getting there. And it's not going to be the answer that you want to hear. What I'm no, trying it is to say the answer is, I want to it hear. It is 30 years of saying that one of the most important things I've learned in upper management when working with them is always, after a while, get to know your boss and get to know what he wants to know and what he how he wants to know it and what he needs to move to his upper manager. Don't worry about what you, how you feel. You're a pawn. You're you're a plebe. But if you can get and present your data, your information, your project in a way that he needs it and he needs to hear it. And the, the what I'm saying is if you can get 75% of his questions answered before he asks them, now you're doing the right thing. Okay. And in my mind, America's capitalism society. Okay. We are, I hate to say it, when you're in elementary school, it's competition. When you're in high school, it's competition. When you're in college, it's competition. Okay. When you're working, it's still a competition. Get yourself in the top five to 10 to 
20% of the peers around you. And once you can compete and you are running in the top 25%, you know what that means? When the cuts come around, it ain't going to be you. Okay. That's how I deal with stress because my stress was I don't want to be cut. Okay. So you stay on top of your game 100% of the time. What? No. Way far more than the, the person needs to mm -hmm. because I'm not putting myself in the second 50% of any arena that I'm in. Now, that goes for all you folks out there. No matter what you're working in, it doesn't matter whether you're at the non-salary level, the salary level, the union level. Don't, don't mince any words here. You're in a competition, okay? So make sure that you're running and you put yourself in the top 25% regardless. Otherwise, if you can't and you know that you're in the bottom and you're constantly then go get a different job. So go find something that better, no, go find something better that suits you to, so that you can compete and you can be comfortable. Because I'm telling you folks, the number, one of the biggest stresses that I face, this is me, is having the rug yanked out from me. But how do you deal with that though? Do you, it do you, comes from my childhood. Okay, but, but how do you deal with it though? It, it just hits you out of the blue. You've got this huge workload. You're stressed out. You're steaming. Well, I go fishing. Ah, there's the answer I wanted to hear. <laughs> I know you wanted to hear that. Yes. But from a, from a professional environment, this is how I keep stress low. But when stress does hit me, guys, I'm a fisherman. Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to get at. So, so that's how you deal with it, though. You know, you, you don't go home and punch holes in the wall. You jump out on your boat. You I, go out on the quiet water. You throw your rod in, and you fish for six or eight hours. This is a life that I've chosen. That's how you my, decompress. My choice of life is because I come from an alcoholic father. Worked afternoon shift, worked in General Motors, worked down Hamtramck, worked down Detroit. Um, nothing bad feelings about the man. He's a hell of a man. He taught me a worth ethic. My worth ethic started delivering papers at eight years old for the free press. I was up at five when you kid, when everyone was getting up going to school in elementary school, five, fifth grade, sixth grade. I was up at 530 delivering newspapers before I went to school. Now, see, I did that I when made, I was a young man as well. I we, we I went and I threw my papers in sixth grade, seventh grade. You started very early and yes. I would save all my money because you had to save your money up for your first car. And we saved, you know, a couple hundred dollars and then dad would match us if That's he awesome. was lucky. And you get yourself your very first car when you were 16 because that, that meant awesome. freedom to get the hell away from the alcoholic father yeah. who was blowing holes through walls, who was grabbing the phone when the phone bill was extremely high the day before we go to cedar point you want to hear something fucked up you want to hear about how to deal with stress the day before we haven't been on vacation at all summer vacation we're getting packed up to go to cedar point somehow ding dong gets screaming upset at mom because the phone bill because the long distance at&t or whoever it was back no it wasn't even at&t it was bell south I don't even know who it was. doesn't matter. But they'd charge you for long distance rates oh, yeah. on a corded phone. Yep. Ripped the phone off the wall, threw it through the window. Oh, my. The night before, you know, beautiful house in the lake. And here comes yelling, screaming at 11 o'clock at night. What are the neighbors going to think about that? All of a sudden, the explosion. Us kids are standing there watching the phone go through the window. Mom being screamed at, being grabbed and thrown around. And a man 
telling her. To, and then the next morning we wake up, right? We're supposed to go to Cedar Point and putting some wood on the window, yelling, blaming all of us. We're the ones that are the fault that he has to put wood on the window. And then we drive to Cedar Point in silence. Now, how much fun was that? Oh, I'm sure that was very fun. You guys got to go on the rides and... Well, yeah, that, do, that, do, that, you really, do you really think that, that, that that's what we thought of? Oh, God, no. Oh, okay. God, no. So is that the right way to deal with stress? God, no. Absolutely. But see, that's exactly how some people deal with it because they don't have an outlet. And sometimes they choose the wrong outlet. And in your case, your dad chose the wrong outlet. My father was a Vietnam veteran. And I didn't really want to get into this, but he was a Vietnam veteran. And there were times where I think he mentally reverted back to that situation. Talk to me. And when you added alcohol into that, it was it created such and a and drugs. Yeah, yeah. I, Let's not lie. You were you from the day you were born, six years old. Yeah, a man. See, this, sometimes this, I'm, I don't I'm remember that. That's okay. I'm sitting across from a man, folks. Let me paint you just a little minor picture, and this is why you need to take your hat off to certain people. The, the man grew up in uh, Detroit. Deep, deep down Detroit, um, fences that were built in 1930, and you know a decaying Detroit. Now Detroit had a heyday. Detroit was the number one. It was the number one city in the 50s. It was the top performing city. Everyone wanted to come to Detroit, but by 1970 and 75, decay set in, and people were fleeing and running to the suburbs. We were one of those. I was one of those who ran to the suburbs while Jeff was being raised deep in the city of Detroit. Um, and his dad and his mom uh, stayed blue collar. And the stuff that you had to see as a kid, this is this is life. That's life, but it's also hard life. So you guys are looking at a guy who's come from, I can't even tell you how deep, deep down in the direction that could have gone in each person, in each kid whose life he had no choice in where he landed, but here he is. So you got to tell me, just being a kid in that environment, what was the stress like for you? Um, every day you had to fight. Every day. You yeah. had to fight with... Physical? Physical, mental, emotional. Tell me. Physical, you had to fight the kids at school. I grew up in Detroit, like you said. I was one of a very small handful of white kids in a predominantly African-American school district. And for that reason, I was picked on tremendously. Now, I get it. I truly you ever get do. get beat up by like four or five guys at once? Like 20 or 25 guys at once. It was, it was jump on and get it while you can. And I get it. Kicked and beat up. How old were you when that happened? Oh, God. I was in my 12, 13 years old. But I get it. How many white people do you think had that happen to them in Detroit? Yeah, I'm sure there was a fair amount. But, I mean, the the shoe was on the other foot as well. Um, But but physically, I had to fight every day, whether it was kids from school. You think you paid for something you didn't deserve? Absolutely, 100%. Um, Something happened... In people's past that they're taking out on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Emotionally, I had to fight my feelings because I knew when I go home, if my mother was there, she was going to be 
intoxicated or if my father was home, there was a reason behind that. So seeing the physical violence that they displayed upon each other, really, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, this is really hard to talk about, but you, you see it as a kid and you're like, how are your parents beating the living shit out of each other? I mean, to the point where the ambulance has to take your mom to the hospital for a week because your dad broke her jaw or broke her ribs. Why? Because they were drunk. They were on drugs over something your mom sat or did. Now, my mom was no saint, but nor was my father. They would go to the bar together, and I would have to watch my younger brother till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning when they came home. And I heard that pounding on the back window signifying that they were home to have that door open so when they got home, they didn't beat the shit out of you. So I opened that door and went to bed. And then 30 minutes later, all hell broke loose on that family room floor. He was beating the shit out of her. Or something. She was beating yeah. the shit out of her. She stabbing him. Because they were so drunk. And I remember peeking out that window and trying to keep my brother off so he didn't see it. That was tough. That was mental. And I vowed I was not going to be that man. Just was not going to be that kind of person. And I can remember like tomorrow. My mother screaming, call the police, call the police. And I didn't because I didn't want to see my dad go to jail. I remember seeing my mother at the bottom of our basement stairs, bloodied and battered. My dad's passed out in, in the chair. And I thought, what in the hell happened? I don't know if she was drunk and she fell. I don't know if he pushed her down the stairs. I just don't know. But that is some of the shit that is really hard for me to discuss. But that's how they dealt with stress. They drank. They went to the bar, they did drugs, and that's how they decompressed. And then they beat the shit out of each other. And then the next day, they both wore battle scars, and they tried to go on with their lives. Meanwhile, every neighbor in the neighborhood knew what the hell was going on over at Charles Street. What about you? Now you're an adult. How do I handle it now that I'm an adult? You're, you have stress. You have daily stress. You have work stress. I just deal with it. I'm the kind of guy, I, when I was younger, I got upset. I said things. I upset my wife on certain things. You just, I've just learned to adapt and deal with it. <clears throat> There's always a solution to the problem. It may not be an easy solution, but there is. And I've learned as I've matured just to handle the problem. How you talk to people about the problem what you do, I get through it. Are you guys with us still? I hope so, because this old granddad sure is. Are you with us still, guys? Hey, this is, you, you've just walked into foolproof truth. Okay. And a lot you've of times in, this shit is not easy to discuss. You've walked into your first man moment with uh, Mike and Jeff on foolproof truth. We just grabbed and, and talked about one of the hardest things you could possibly talk about is childhood scars okay <laughs> now sometimes it takes having a little bit of bourbon sometimes it takes having a drink to open up that door women women out there understand something about men and this is a quiet moment men take it, it is what it is and you heard jeff say it at least three four times it is what it is it was what it was 
I'm not going to let it affect me. I'm going to do it different. Okay? A strong-minded man, and this is your man moment, strong-minded man is not going to let his past dictate his future. Okay? That's what a real man does. You're going to keep pushing forward. Men will suppress and put down. Women suppress and put down. I promise you, there's so many women who have seen the same thing you saw. And they moved on. They did the exact same thing. Exactly. They moved on and said, I'm not raising my kids this way. And I will not let a man around my kids who acts that way. Yeah. I mean, this is, this, is a, <clears throat> this is one of the biggest. This is a bigger one. So for the girls out there, um, I'm lifting my glass. It is an Elmer T. Lee. Um, it is the 90 proof Elmer T. Lee. I think I'm drinking right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to cut you off here by any means, but guys, yeah, girls, finish up. You, you've got to learn how to channel your stress in a positive way. I, think I know that's where we're end up. I mean, guys, yeah, here's our punchline moment. That doesn't affect other people in a negative way. You know, I know a lot of young guys, one of my my sons being an example, he'll come home from a hard day's work, stressed out, maybe the boss got in his ass a little bit. He'll just game for a little bit. Just, and, and women, Gaming. women yep. too, let the man compress before he comes in the door and you hit him with a lot of things. And, and guys, if you're a stay-at-home dad, you know, let the woman get home. And, and, and I should take that back. You both, when you get home from work, take a half an hour to decompress before you start discussing the day's issues. Just decompress. That's one hell of a point. Just go take a shit or read a book, have a drink on the patio. Just take a breath before you start hitting each other with the daily problems. But you, you've got to learn what is best for you. Okay, so what Jeff's saying here, guys, this is awesome. What he's saying is coming from being married for over 20 years. Yes. Okay. You're hitting the same. My wife and I had this. I'm married 20, over 25 years. Mm -hmm. Same woman. Good Lord, do I love her. You oh, do. What a woman. Um, God bless her for being married. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife so deserves a medal for being married to me as well. Because I don't know some of the shit that I put her through. I don't know how she's still with me. But... Um, but yeah, just decompress but, for a little bit no, before we, you get in the door and hit each other with all your daily problems. You know, the, the bills, the kids, uh, how did, work was. I, we, I remember the arguments yes. after, and, and, and it's so funny when you look back at your marriage, which is, uh, filled with the roller coaster of ups and downs and so much more ups and downs, but you, you, I could almost pinpoint that was my 10-year point when we had that, babe, one foot is still in the garage coming in the door. Yeah. I have one foot in the house, one foot out, and you can't wait. You got you to gotta hit me right away with the kids' issues and yes. the kids' problems. And, you know, I can't when I'm driving home, it doesn't melt away because ding-dongs are, are – I'm running over ding-dongs and, and, and I'm getting – you know, you're in traffic and it yep. just – there's, there is a decompression point. I think that is a cool point to take. Now, am I recommending it to everyone? Yeah. I'd say if you want your marriage to last a long time, your woman walks in the door after a hard-ass day's work, okay? 
Uh, yeah, I know that she's your best buddy. And I know you want to talk to her about all kinds of things that are bothering you. Think for the moment what's bothering her. Girls, same thing. The man's working hard for you. Think for a moment what's bothering him. Give him the 20 minutes. Give him the half an hour. Mm -hmm. That's a great point you just said, Jeff. So, so with that note, um, we've had a couple pops in us. I want to know what you've been drinking as you're sitting down next to us tonight. Uh, I want to hear it. Say, uh, as you were sitting listening, as you were connecting with us, as you were relating with us, as we kept, as Jeff and I kept you company, possibly took you down into a darker area of your life that you didn't want to touch, but you're glad that you did. I want to know what you were drinking and uh, what you were feeling. So don't be afraid to hit our Facebook page, foolprooftruth.com, or excuse me, foolprooftruth.facebook.com. Um, right now, I'm drinking Elmer Teeley. My, one of my favorites. Uh, I don't know why you think saying that. This has got water. Yeah. Wait, let me wait. I smell water. <laughs> I smell water. I've got some benchmark foolproof in my glass. I know a lot of you are going to be like, what the hell? Yeah. Wait, wait. I'm trying it. I just opened it. The, the, the T in Elmer Teeley stands for uh -oh. totally average. Wow. The E stands for excellent. Oh. So you can get on your boat and go fish. No. The L stands for uh, I'd spend less money somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Talking the shit is, out of Elmer. This is $40. It is $40 bottle. That's all I'd spend It for. really is. Did I pay $40? uh uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, guys, I want you to thank you also for listening to us. So, you know, sometimes we can get a little emotional in that last, that last, uh, don't apologize for last me. part. Kind of got me. I wasn't a little prepared for that. But we're gonna try to wrap it up here. Um, let me take. Let me take. You yeah, back yeah. Go one. for it. Jump in. Let me take it because I'm gonna move away from the watered down ETL. I'm gonna move to. Uh, well, I'll try Joseph something. Magnus Murray Hill Club. Just, just for a nickel. Yeah. Just want to try it for a touch on the way home. But um, so some of the things that you can do. Um, I've got great influences that are surrounded me. Um, like I said, folks that are janitors, some that are executives, talking about some of the things that we do to do a little bit of decompression. Um, and some of the folks I talk to are very young. Uh, my son, my daughter, kids that are younger. I always take input from the younger generation. They seem to have a beat on things that's a, a great and grand perspective. Because so, they just don't give a shit. Is that what you caught from that too, didn't you? I do. A lot of these younger generations, they don't give a shit. They don't have the same work ethic and the same attaboys we do. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. But I agree. that comes from us. That's our parents. Yeah, you're right. The, our generation raised kids that put fucking helmets on them. Okay? You wanted to degrade a kid down to nothing. What My kids, my parents didn't put a helmet on me. Oh, God. They no. weren't going to cut me down that bad. Okay, but we put helmets on our kids. Okay, so now we have to deal with the, the fact that we thought we were doing that, you know, we overcoddled. There's overcoddling and we over cheerleaded. Now, these are words that came from a 24 year old young man right now as we speak. He is actually sick and he hangs out with kids and he knows what over cheerleading and over coddling. He's the one who gave me those words. Um, Everybody gets a trophy at the end. Is that what he's saying? No, he's just just knows that this the our generation, 
me, you, in our 30s, 40s, and 50s, I'm going to tell you, you are over coddling. It's your fault and quit complaining that this world has gone to hell in a handbasket because you participated in it. What does that have to do with the stress, though? Well, because some of the kids nowadays, when you're going to see your kids, okay, this is, I'm talking to the 40, 50 year olds. Okay, you're going to see your kids. They're going to come home from their job or their college or their school, whatever they're doing. The first thing they do is they jump on their video games. They put their headphones on and they tune out to you. Okay. You they, know, it's they, not a bad way to decompress from the day. There you go. They they get on a Discord with the boys or the girls. Yeah. And they just Discord for a while. Yep. Not okay. a bad way to decompress. I've done it myself numerous times. When when my uh, I told my young man instead of uh, doing drugs or punching holes in walls, or, or being doing destructive. I remember when he was 12, 13, 14, I handed him, and I took, actually went out in the woods with him because we got woods in the backyard. You know, we said, okay, see this, see this tree right here? There was a tree that was, it was a sickened tree, okay? It was coming down anyways. I said, you ever get mad? This ax is laying against this tree. And I said, knock this tree down. Don't get mad at me. Don't punch my walls. Don't get grounded for a week and a half. Don't do something stupid. You're pissing me off. Okay? Now, one thing I didn't do is I didn't beat him. I Good never choice. Hit. There is a time, I believe, let's talk about this. I and this is I'm I'm not the greatest parent. I got two kids whose result tells me I did okay though. So, I do have experience. I do believe in swatting. Yes. I believe a young 18, two years, three years, four years, that little one doesn't know yet, but they're going to recognize discipline, not over, but you're going to get a SWAT. And we had a countdown method. This is a very important countdown method for me because I would tell even at early at two years, put that down. Don't do that. We got to get going. Okay. So here comes a tantrum. I just started counting. Don't make me get to one. If I get to one, you're getting a spanking. Five, four, and you'd see that you'd see the face change. You'd see the defiance. You'd see the anger of them doing it more. Three, because you knew you, it was coming if you, three, if you didn't. Two, suddenly come the tears because now they know they're getting challenged. They're fighting. Now this is a this is a a baby. This is a child. This is an animal. This is an undeveloped person that you are learning that there's consequences for your actions. Got to one, swat, nice spanking, good firm, hard spankings. Okay. I'm going to tell you guys, by the end of four years old, I never, unless my kids lied, cheated, or stealed, and I told them, you'll never get spanked. You tell me the truth. Okay, we'll talk about it. You lie, cheat, or steal, you're getting a spanking. And I think my daughter got her last spanking at four. My last, my son got his last spanking at six. And that was it. So the kids recognized, okay, here's their discipline. Hmm. And I felt it was a fair, firm, and friendly way to raise kids. So at that point, that's how I dealt with the stress of raising the kids is five, four, three. And, and it, it also helps you as a parent realize you never, ever hit a kid in anger. 
Never. Right. You yeah, and never. It's been you part bet. of my issue. <laughs> right? You just, you keep yourself in control. Yeah. So now my, my kids, as they get older, and all, a lot of the younger generations, they will, they know that they got to put their head down. And they know, uh, I think I just talked to my son who's in college a little while ago. He says, yeah, it's lonely when you have to do the right thing. But you know what? No one's going to do it but yourself. You know, you got to put your head down. And uh, the world does not, oh, he said to me, the world does not owe you a life stress-free. And, and that's crazy coming from a young kid because a lot of young people today believe quite the opposite. The world owes them something. And the world hear, doesn't owe you a stress-free life. That was huge when he agree. said that. 100% agree. That was pretty monster. And, and, and going a little bit deeper, trying to decompress and de-stress your life. There are so many things you can do. Exercise, video games, talk with I your just, significant other. There's so many things you can do. What did I just taste? Yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, wait, time out. And, and, and one of those things you could do is grab a glass of bourbon and just sit down, maybe grab a cigar Take a deep breath on the patio and just decompress. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Murray Hill Club whiskey. For oh, me. no. We're not going to do Murray Hill Club today. That's Dude. not on our lineup sheet today. No, 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 no. But if you did like you it. Did you spend more than 25 bucks on this? Yes, I did. <laughs> you don't like it? <laughs> we're going to get into that on another episode. I think we will because you know what? Murray Hill is 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 a, is an anthill. Okay. Here hey, we go. Fo folks, just want to recap today. We talked about <laughs> Noah's episode. we talked about Noah's Mill. I think we're we have a split jury on that. I am a pass, he is a purchase. And we also talked about old granddad 114. And I think we're both on par with pick that up for the price. It's definitely a buy. I, I'm just side noting your Elmer T. Lee. We disagreed on that quite a bit. We will get into that into another episode. Today also, folks, we talked about tasting notes and how extreme they can be for many, many bottles and for certain bottles, how they could be spot on. And we also talked about dealing with stress as a man or a woman. Hmm. Folks, drink responsibly. Thank you for taking your time to listen to us. We know we are not perfect. We're just going to give you the foolproof truth. Please come back again and listen to us. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Mike, have yourself a great day. You got it, brother. Hey, thanks for your time today. You mean something to me. And you mean something to me. Talk to you soon.